You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Extreme Makeover, You Edition, Part 5. Enjoy. Good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's get into the Word. We've been having fun in a new series called Extreme Makeover, You Edition. And we're talking about this new life that God has for you, this new life that He's provided for you in Christ. God cares for you so much that He's provided a new life for you. And this new life is different than the old life. It's a life where God is your strength. It's a life where joy leads you, where peace surrounds you where you're hearing God's voice, and where you're fulfilling your destiny. And we looked at the TV show, and just like the TV show, there was a dream team assembled to bless people and build them a new home. Well, the dream team of all dream teams, God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, desire to bless you and to give you a new life more than you could ever imagine. In fact, God desires to lead you forward into a whole and complete life. Isn't that amazing? A whole and complete life. That's his plan for you, in case you're wondering. What's God's will for my life? Generally speaking, his will for your life is to be whole and complete. He wants to lead you into a whole and complete life, and he has furnished the provision for it. He has paid every expense that needs to be paid for you to be whole. Isn't that great? And boy, was he thinking big when he made you. He was. He wants to do more in your life than you've imagined. Isn't that great? In fact, God, in this new life that he has for you, it's a whole and complete life where you're lacking nothing. Does that sound like a fairy tale? It's not. That's God's desire for you, and that's what he's provided for you. It's a Psalm 23 life. Psalm 23, 1. What does God say? The Spirit had, uh, David wrote this psalm, right? Psalm of David, Psalm 23. And the Holy Spirit inspired him to say, The Lord, Jehovah, is my shepherd. What's he in my life for? To feed, to guide, and to shield me. Isn't it great we don't have to wonder about God's intentions? I'm so glad about that. I can know exactly what his intentions are for me. To feed, to guide, and to shield me. And what will happen as I follow him? I shall not lack. The whole and complete life. This is the new life that God has provided for us in Christ, where God becomes our source of provision, of wisdom, and of protection. I shall not lack. Amen. Psalm 34, verse 9. I love this. It says, Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him, there it is again, lack nothing. I shall not lack. Those who fear him lack nothing. Now, you know what fear of the Lord means, right? Understand that fear of the Lord is not shaking in a corner, afraid to talk to God. That's not fear of the Lord. Okay, that's being afraid. Fear of the Lord is a reverential awe of God that inspires you to pursue Him. It inspires you to want Him and know Him and seek Him. So I can know if I fear the Lord if I'm seeking Him. That's really what the, 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 the one of the ways you can, do I fear the Lord? If I'm seeking him, that's the result of fearing him. Not, not running from him, running to him. Okay, so I want you to understand what that term means. We could say, fear the Lord, you as saints, for those who seek him lack nothing. We could interchange that, the fear of the Lord and seeking the Lord. And verse 10 actually does that. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who 
seek the Lord like no good thing. All right? When you have a, a, a reverence for him, you begin to pursue him. Fearing the Lord equals seeking the Lord, right? So we lack no good thing as we seek him. Isaiah 55, 12, if you'll remember that, we've been going over that the last few weeks. I like how it reveals to us God's will for our lives in this new life that we have in Christ. It says, so you'll go out in joy, that's you, right? And you'll be led into a whole and complete life. Hallelujah. I love that. I didn't know that was possible before I started reading the Bible. I didn't know that was a possibility. I thought that, you know, we just had to take the cards we've been given and deal with it. Right? You ever hear that phrase? I saw that online about writing about some Olympic athlete. In other words, you know, they're they born and there are certain things in their life. And this writer of this article said, oh, those are the, those are the cards God dealt them. No. Those aren't the cards God dealt them, right? There are different, we're living in a fallen world, right? There's an enemy in this world, and he comes against us, but we have victory through Christ. So we're, we're seeking him, and we're going forward. We're growing in this whole and complete life. He's leading, right? He's leading in our lives, and we're following. So we're not going through life on autopilot, Okay? We're not letting stuff happen. We don't live that way. Remember we said last week, it's not a case of rah life. It's not a whatever will be, will be life. No, we don't let the devil steal from us. Right? We're conscious that we're in the middle of a war zone. That's just the facts, Jack. We're on planet Earth. It's not our home. Heaven is our home. We're in the middle of a war zone, and we have an adversary, Satan and his demons, who are trying to steal from us, kill and destroy us. Those are the facts, whether you believe it or not, but we don't allow him to operate in our lives, right? If anything attempts to come into our lives to steal from us, kill or destroy us, we rebuke it. We take authority over it in the name of Jesus Christ. We forbid it to operate. We resist the devil, and he flees from us, right? We're following the Lord. We're, we're submitting ourselves unto him. We're resisting the devil. And remember, goodness and mercy are what? Following us, right? This is the new life. He's leading. We're following. We're growing in this whole and complete life. We're taking authority over Satan, and goodness and mercy are following us. Hallelujah. Glory to God forevermore. This new life is not a passive life. We're fully engaged with Christ. It's a daily, interactive, destiny-filled relationship with the one who made us. Right? We're alert. We're active. We're engaged. We're pursuing. We're running after him. And it's the only kind of running that you can do and not get tired. Is running after him. Isn't that amazing? We were watching water polo. I thought, how in the world do they tread water for that long? Anyone watch water polo in the Olympics? I mean, that's amazing. If you ever tried to tread water, you'd... <laughs> wow. But this is the only kind of running that you can do and never get tired. Running after him. So it's not a heavy thing. It's not a burden something, okay, I'm going to seek the Lord. It's a wow, right? It's an it's a energy-producing thing. The more I seek him, the stronger I get. The less I seek him, the weaker I get. Yeah. The less I seek him, the more stressed I am. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Right? The more I pursue him, the less stressed I am. Isn't that great? Right? It's very different because we think of running and pursuing or seeing, you think, oh boy, that's too tired. No, it produces energy in you. It makes you stronger. Hallelujah. It makes us stronger. It's his will for our lives. This is what we're doing. We're moving that bus, right? We've rebuked the enemy. We've told depression to go. We've told sickness to go. 
We've told lack and poverty to go. We said, move that bus, get out of my life, and we're going forward into all that God has prepared for us. Amen. Amen. We're learning who we are in Christ. We're learning who we are in Christ, and we're growing in this new life he's provided for us. God's will for you is abundant life. You say, how do I know that? I know it. He told me. Yeah. He told me about you. Well, kind of. He told me it's his, it's, it's his will for our lives to have abundant life. We're going to have to look at it again, I think. Huh? Let's go to John chapter 10, verse 10. God told me what his will is for your life. <laughs> I actually read it, is how he told me. I read it in the Bible. And because he said it in the Bible, I know it's for you. Amen. Yes. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. Sophia, have you ever heard that song, Jesus Loves Me? Have you ever heard that? She's coloring over there. Yeah. Jesus Loves Me, the Bible told me so, right? If he said it in the Bible, I know it's so. So here's Jesus. I'm so glad I don't have to guess about his will for you. Here it is. The thief comes only. So Jesus knew there was a thief in the earth, right? He was fully aware that on planet earth there was a thief operating, right? And he rebuked him, didn't he? He rebuked his, his demons, didn't he? Right? Satan's demons, the, the fallen angels. Jesus didn't go through life on autopilot. He was fully engaged with his father, rebuking the enemy. The thief, Satan, comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. So if there's anything in your life that has to do with those three things, who's it from? Satan, right? The thief, that's right, one and the same. On the other hand, Jesus said, I came that they, who's they? Yeah, mankind, right? Mankind. That they, does that include every human being? How do I know that? I read it in the Bible. John 3.16. God so loved the world, right? I don't have to come up with this stuff. It's just in there, right? All I have to do is read it and believe it. So I know this is for everybody because I read it, right? So I say God told me, which he did. I read it in his Bible, right? I came that the, every man, woman, and child, this is available to everybody, may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's God's will for you. Is it possible? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did it. He did it through his son, right? It's, it, by faith, we receive it and experience it. The Weiss translation says it this way. I alone... That means no one else cares for you like he does. Only Jesus could do what he did. Only Jesus could love you like he loves you. Only God could provide for you like he provided for you. No one loves you more than he loves you. I alone. So if you're looking somewhere else for your heart to be satisfied, you're going to be greatly disappointed sooner or later because he alone came for you. Okay? We look to Him for the satisfaction of our heart. I alone came in order that, in other words, this is my purpose, that they, every man, woman, and child, might be possessing life and that they might be possessing it in super abundance. This new life that we're learning about in our series is a life of super abundance. Right? Leaping over tall buildings faster than a speeding bullet for a locomotive. I forget the little saying there for Superman. But this is a super life. We're living a super life, a super God life, a super abundant life, a more than enough life every day of our lives. The message says, makes it pretty plain. It says a more and better life than they ever dreamed of. I emphasize this regularly because this kind, of, uh, this kind of message can be highly criticized in the body of Christ. People will hear messages like this and say, boy, is that, uh, that's not, the, what are they, is that all they think about? Is that all they talk about? Yeah, it is. Why? Because we love Jesus more than anything. 
And he's revealed this purpose to us, right? He's revealed this to us. So we're, we're caught up in him. Where did this idea of, of um, not having enough, lacking, being without, being sick, being um, stressed, being depressed, where did this idea that that is godly come from? Or that God wants that in your life? Where did that come from? You ever thought about that? Because there are messages that preach that. That these are the cards God's given you, and you just buckle up and deal with it. Where did that come from? I can tell you this, it didn't come from Jesus. And you know what? If it didn't come from Jesus, I don't want it. That's right. Amen. If it didn't come from Jesus, I'm not having it. Excuse me. Right? If it didn't come from Jesus, I don't want it in my life. I don't want it. That's, that's a decision I made. You can make that same decision. I love people, but I love him more. I don't care who says what. If what they're saying doesn't line up with my Jesus, as revealed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, it's not for me. It's not for me. I don't care how many years they've been in ministry, what accolades or certificates or degrees they may have or how many people they're ministering to. If it doesn't agree with my Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, it's not for me. Amen. Right? Who am I to say all of a sudden now in 2016 that Jesus has a different purpose for you? other than what he revealed in his word. That's dangerous ground. Right? That I somehow know better than, than the Messiah, than God in the flesh. Who am I to, to say that, that Jesus has a, a stuff God in my religious box purpose for your life? Nuh-uh. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. We don't need to create a new purpose that Jesus has. The, his initial purpose is in full effect, and it covers you, and it doesn't get weak, and it doesn't faint away, right? What did he say? Heaven and earth pass away, but my words will never pass away. So the purpose that Jesus declared about 2,000 years ago is just as vibrant and powerful today for you as it was then. We don't need to look for a new Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, if he, if he wasn't perfect, well, we need to look for a new one. Right? But he was, and he is, and he ever shall be. Right? Hallelujah. So this new life is a life where he's leading, we're following, it's an abundant life, he's speaking to us, we're listening, we're growing in him, he's providing for us, and he's leading us into a spacious, wide open place. I like how Paul said it in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 in the message translation, verse 11. He's talking about the life where God's leading and we're following. There's nothing like living life letting God be God in your life. How do we let God be God? Stay, we're going to go there in just a moment. How do we let God be God in our lives? We take him at his word. Right? Even if man has said something different. Right? So in other words, there may be a religious tradition or doctrine that says it's God's will for you to be sick. But Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life abundantly. So which one do we lift up higher? Well, if we're going to let God be God in our lives, we put man's down and we lift Jesus up. Okay? That's how you let God be God in your life. You take what he said and what he demonstrated in his ministry and you lift that up in your thoughts in your beliefs and in your heart. That's letting God be God. When you begin to do that, he brings you into a wide open, spacious life, a liberty and a freedom you can't get anywhere else. Paul said it this way. I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter into this wide open, spacious life. <laughs> I like that. Verse 12. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from, from within you. Your lives aren't small. Amen. 
Did you know that? It's true. The devil wants you to think they're small, but they're not. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. How do we live life in a small way? By not taking God at his word. By not letting his promise govern our expectations. Okay? By setting our expectations on our past or on the wisdom of man or on religious tradition. That's how you live your life in a small way. Or trying to live life in your own strength. Right? Your lives aren't small. But you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can (laughs) and with great affection. Better is open love than hidden, uh, excuse me, better is open rebuke than hidden love, Proverbs says. I like that. I'm speaking as plainly as I can with great affection. Sometimes love rebukes, right? Because it wants more. It, It realizes that there's more inside of you. It wants to lift you up, see you come up higher. As, as plainly as I can with great affection, open up your lives, live openly and expansively. Take God at his word. Leave the past behind you and embrace this God life. Leave your old thinking behind you and, and change the way you think. Let my promises now be the structure that you build your thinking off of. Jesus said it pretty plain in Mark eleven twenty two, message, embrace this God life. Really embrace it. Follow me, right? Take who I am and follow me. Take me at my word. Let my promises govern your thought life. Really embrace it. Follow me and let me bring you into this wide, open, spacious life that I've prepared for you. The Holy Spirit speaking through David in 2 Samuel Chapter 22, verse 17, described it this way. I like it. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. Verse 20. He brought me out into a spacious place. Amen. Do you know that place in your life where there's no condemnation, no fear, no anxiety, no worries, but love, joy, and peace? He brought me out into a spacious place place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. It gives God pleasure to bless you. Why does God delight in you? Do you know? Yeah, that's right. He loves you. Yeah, that's exactly right. God delights in you because he loves you, right? He made you and he loves you. And nothing can change that. So you don't have to wonder if God delights in me. You don't have to wonder if God's favor is always towards you. It is. Because that's who he is, and no one's going to change that. I'm so glad. This brings us to the primary text we've been looking at, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, in the message. Let's read it again. It's so good. It says, Your new life is not like your old life. Your old birth came from mortal sperm. Your new birth comes from God's living word, a life conceived by God himself. Wow. Now, I'm going to ask a question. Be honest. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You don't need to raise it if it's, if it's, if it's not you, but I'm going to ask you. If you're here this morning 
and you have believed in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead for the forgiveness of your sins, for your redemption, if you've believed that in your heart, okay, and with your mouth you have confessed Jesus as the Lord of your life, I want you to raise your hand right now if you've done that already. All right. Now, those of you who've raised your hand, I want you to understand what you just said. You've just told me, whether you realize it or not, that you are born of God. Because the moment I believe that God raised His Son Jesus from the dead for me, and I open my mouth and I say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. The Holy Spirit makes my spirit brand new. I'm born again or born from above. All right? So if you're born of God, your family tree has changed. You have a brand new family tree. Did you know that? Look what John 1 verse 12 says. But as many as received him, that was everyone who raised their hand, right? As many as received him, to them gave he power. So we see, look at that little phrase right there. As many as received him. So who's it up to, God or us? Us, yeah. His will is for everyone to receive him, right? For everyone to be whole. But it's not up to him. Very important to understand that it's up to us to believe it. Boy, did that change my life when I stopped waiting for God to do something and I started believing in what He already done. Right? So we, we, we'll stop asking and start believing. You'll be amazed that how much what He's done covers. Yeah. Guarantee every issue you have is covered by what He's already done in Christ. I found that out. I was like, wait, wait. Oh, that's covered. That's covered. Oh, that's covered. I, just, I guess I'll just thank you then that it's done. And every time a worry or fear comes up about that situation, I'm going to thank you that my needs are met according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Every time. Wow. He covers every corner of my heart. Right? Every, every little closet, little space of my life is covered by the finished work of Christ. So as many as received him, so we got to believe, right? We got to receive. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Look at verse 13. This is amazing. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You have a new family tree. I don't know, usually in, in every family including the extended relatives, there's like one or two that really get into their family tree, you know, and they really start researching that thing. I want you to start researching your new family tree. Really. So in this new life that we're living, are you ready for this? You got your seatbelts on. We identify more with Christ than we do with our biological family. We do. We identify more with Christ than we do with our ethnicity. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Now, I'll tell a funny story about Jennifer and me. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of the first times you've probably ever met my parents. And I, I'm not trying to. This is just a funny thing. Now, it just so happens that, that my dad's family was from Italy, and my mom's dad was from Italy, and my mom's mom was from Finland. And that was the discussion growing up. Where are you from? What's your, what's your ethnicity, right? And my grandpa was pretty much convinced if you weren't from his country that you, you know, were like second class, you know? 
So anyone who did anything great in history was Italian, according to him. You know? so, oh, yeah, he was Italian. Oh, yeah, he was Italian. Yeah. He had a different perspective where he basically, he, his ethnicity was paramount in his life. Right? Now, I, 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 I'm, not gonna, uh, I'm not trying to put anyone down, but it really doesn't matter to me because of Jesus. He's my identity. So you say, I'm Ita- you say, are you Italian? Well, I'm Christian. Where are you from, heaven? <laughs> so, listen, this new life comes with a new identity. How are you going to live a new life if you don't have a new identity? So Jennifer comes over to my house for one of the first dinners. And what was very common was making wine in our, in our families. And, and there was wine on the table. I just grew up with that aroma in the home. There's, there was pasta, you know, uh, tomato sauce, and wine. I, I just know that aroma. So when dinner was on, I expected that aroma. So we're there. So we're sitting down, and, and there's usually a lot. There's a lot of pasta. And they asked Jennifer what she'd like to drink. And guess what she says? Milk. And my whole family kind of froze. I looked at it and said, where are you from? <laughs> what did you say? She didn't even know how to answer the question. She's like, I'm uh, Meadville? I just, but the reason is, is her family goes way, 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 way back, way, way back into early America. Their heritage is they don't really know. I mean, they, could, they trace it out and they figure they're from, well, the UK somewhere, right? Yeah, maybe Scotland, England, somewhere in that area. But it wasn't a priority to them. Different way of living. Right? So we've got a new identity, right? I mean, we have fun. We, we laugh at home and we talk about different things. But we, I don't see myself as an Italian. I really don't. I like pasta. But I don't see myself. I see myself as a Christian. As a born of God, child of God. As a new creation in Christ Jesus. Do you think you can do that? you think you can change the way you see yourself? What do you think? Begin to see yourself as a child of God instead of something else, right? But that's what we do. See, this new life comes with a new identity, and we embrace that new identity. We're born of God now. It's time to stop identifying with where we've been and what we've been through, and start identifying with who we are in Christ. Right? We've got a new driver's license now. It says redeemed, delivered, healed, whole, strong, full of joy, new creation. Right? So if you ever get pulled over, that's what the devil sees right there. Let me see your license and registration. Here it is, 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Thank you. I'm on my way. Don't let the devil pull you over and try and convict you of things you've done. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So in this new life, we've got a new identity. We're sons and daughters of God. We're God's children. Hallelujah. We're new people in Christ Jesus, and we're born of him. We're born of him. Let's look at our roots. You guys want to look at our family tree, look at our roots a little bit? Let's do it. Let's go to Romans 4.17. Tell you about my great, 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 grandfather, Abraham. Romans 4.17, Abraham, who's called the father of our faith. So our family tree would begin with God, right? Adam forfeited his position. Right? He, he put his faith in Satan instead of God. But Abraham came along and became a new father. As it is written, Romans 4, 17, A father of many nations have I made you. In the presence of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Now, w- wait a minute here. 
What did not exist in the earth when God spoke to Abraham? What was he calling into existence when he called him? A race of people that were born of him. Didn't exist. Didn't exist in the earth. God made Adam. Adam was born of God. But he put his faith in Satan, and, and, and his spirit died and his body died. He was separated from God. He's called the first Adam in the Bible. And from that moment on until Jesus came, there were no people in the earth that were truly born of God. Isn't that amazing? You ever thought about that? God had no real children in the earth until Jesus rose from the dead. Now, he made a covenant with Abraham, and Israel became God's chosen people, right? But that was by the blood of bulls and goats. So what didn't exist in the earth? A race of people that were born of God. That's amazing. So what was God's goal when he called Abraham? To father a new family. A family that had spirits that were alive to him. A family that lived internally instead of externally. Israel had to be led by signs, right? They had the cloud in the day and the pillar of fire at night and all of the different things they had to do, which were all external. In this new covenant, we're led internally by the Spirit of God inside of us. We're not looking for clouds or fire. We've got the fire of the Holy Spirit inside of us, leading us every day. Look at Ezekiel chapter 36. So you're born of God. You have a new identity now. So next time someone says, where are you from? Tell them heaven. Right? No, I don't usually say that. I usually say Dighton. <laughs> Ezekiel 36. Verse 20, uh, let's 25. This is prophetic. And, and when you read the Bible, be aware of where you're at in the Bible. This is Old Covenant, Okay. Because not everything applies to right now, but this does. This is prophetic, okay? This is an Old Testament prophecy of the new life that God was going to bring into the earth through Jesus. So verse 25, I'll sprinkle clean water on you. What's clean water? You know? Water, most of the time, quite frequently in the word is, is, in the Bible is symbolic of God's word. In Ephesians, it talks about husbands washing your wives with the water. Cleansing with the water of the word. So the word, I will, in other words, I will, I will cover you with my word. I'll bring my word into your life. That's Who's the word? Jesus, right? Yeah. And you will be clean. That wasn't possible under the old covenant. They couldn't really be clean. Okay? I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. That wasn't possible before Jesus. All right? Let's keep reading. Now look at this one. This is amazing. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. In other words, the, this new heart that you have is going to be heart, a heart that's sensitive to me, that hears my voice and follows me. Not like your old heart that was brittle and, 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 and stubborn and wouldn't listen. That's the new heart. If you raise your hand, that's the heart you have now. A heart that's fresh and new and sensitive to the Holy Spirit and responds to His voice. Amen. Uh, verse 27. And not only am I going to give you a new heart, and I'm going I'm to move in. I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. And I'm going to move you, inspire you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Verse 28, you will live in the land I gave your forefathers. Now, in the Old Testament, they had the promised land, right? It was a geographical location. Listen closely. The New Testament revelation of the promised land is not a geographical location. It's a quality of life. It's a quality of life where you are experiencing the promises of God. Okay? 
I'll, uh, he says, I'll, uh, you'll, live in that, you'll live in this state of my promises. You'll live in the place where you're experiencing my promises and provision for your life. You will be my people and I will be your God. So God wanted to father a new family in the earth. Let's look at Jeremiah 32, very similar passage to Ezekiel. Again, it's in the Old Covenant, but it's prophetic of this new life that we're learning about now in our series, Extreme Makeover You Edition. He says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Nothing can take it away. Actually, let's start... um, what verse is that? Let's start in verse 38 for time's sake. Can we go to verse 38? So are you in uh, 32? Go to 38. Let's go backwards. I'm sorry. Let's do that. And they shall be my people. Yep, verse 38. So last thing we said in uh, Ezekiel 36, 28, says you will be my people and I'll be your God. And we pick up here. That's right. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. You see in God's motivation here? He wants sons and daughters. Verse 39, and I will give them one heart and one way. What did Jesus say? I am the way, right? He gave us Jesus. That they may fear me forever. Remember what I told you about the fear of the Lord? It's it's a reverential awe that inspires you to seek him. Right? They, and, And that they may fear me forever, be inspired continually to follow me for the good of them and of their children after them. Next verse. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I no, Look at this. This is God. This is prophetic. What, what is this everlasting covenant that God made with you about? Well, it's John 10.10. 10. Here's another way of saying it. I will never stop doing good to them. If that doesn't change you, I don't know. This is God's revealed will for you to never stop doing good to you. Wow. And here's the fear of the Lord. And I will inspire them (laughs) to follow me, to fear me, so that they'll never turn away from me. So God, now that we're in his family, we're his sons and daughters, he's never going to stop doing good to us. He's going to continually inspire us to move forward in him. Isn't that amazing? Let's see. Let's go into verse 41. He keeps going. Verse 41. I will rejoice in doing them good. It gives him great pleasure. And will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. Where's this land? Again, New Testament, not a geographic location, but in the center of his promises, in the center of his purpose for our lives. Amen. All right. Now notice that he says plant them. I'll plant them. Do you remember what we looked at uh, last week, Isaiah 61? Let's pop it up there. I'll plant them. Plant them. Verse uh, 3 of Isaiah 61 says, They will be called oaks of righteousness. You remember that from last week? Oaks of righteousness. That's who you are. A planting. There it is again. A planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. You can't have a planting without a seed. Right? What's the seed that has given us new life? The Word of God. Jesus. Right? Right? So he sent Jesus so that we could become new, be planted, and begin living as sons and daughters of God in the earth. So the Word of God, Jesus, is the seed that produces this new life in us. That's why learning the Word is so important. Reading the Bible is so important because it produces life in us. Learning the promises of God, it produces life in us. All right, let's keep on going here. So Jesus came. He was the seed that started this family. In fact, Colossians 1.18 says this, speaking of Jesus, he's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. What's it talking about? When he raised from the dead, right? Jesus was the first one to ever do that, right? He went to the cross. He was crucified. He died, 
And on the third day, God raised him up. That never happened before. He was the first son of this new family, right? Romans 8, 28, 29 says this, And we know that in all things God for the, works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, of course, because he delights in doing good things to us, right? For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers. Wow. So Jesus is your elder brother. Amen. Are you getting this family tree? God is your father, right? Jesus is your elder brother. Abraham, the father of your faith, who dared to believe God to do the impossible in his life. What a family tree we have. How inspiring it is to have Jesus as your elder brother. Hallelujah. All right, let's, let's see. We got, we got a few more passages, then we're going to be all done. We're going to speak the word. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're almost there. Verse 16. For you are the temple of the living God. This is our new identity. In Christ. As God has said, I will dwell where? In them. And walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 18, same chapter. I will be a father to you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, if you had a a difficult time with your biological father or went through some tough situations, it takes time to get to know your heavenly father because he's perfect love, right? So I had to remind myself, and sometimes I still do before I go before him, God's not like what I experienced growing up, right? He's kind, he's benevolent, he's good, he's merciful, he's gracious. So renew your mind to your heavenly father. Don't let anything keep you from coming to him. Okay, two more passages and we're done. Galatians chapter 3. Love it. We're children of God. This is our new identity for this new life. We're born of God. Heaven is our home. That's where we're from. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That includes you, right? For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. i got to read that verse out of the Living Bible. You ready? And we who have been baptized into union with Christ are enveloped by Him. Colossians 3.3 says, Our lives have been hidden with Christ in God. What's Psalm 91 say? Who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Who's the secret place? Jesus. Okay? We're enveloped in Him. Verse 28. We are no longer Jews or Greeks, Italians, Nigerians, or slaves or free men, or even merely men or women. We're supermen and superwomen. But we are the same. We are Christians. That's our heritage. That's our identity. Jesus Christ. We're born of Him. He's my older brother. We are one in Christ Jesus, and now that we are Christ, we are the true descendants of Abraham. And all, all, all of God's promises to him belong to us. Last scripture, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. This is your new identity. When you think of yourself, I want to encourage you to think of yourself in this way. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. Amen. So we're so happy to tell people about our family tree now. Right? And this kind of family tree right, inspires people to join the family, doesn't it? That God loves you, God cares for you. Well, listen, this is what we're going to do to close the day. Put that confession up there. We're going to speak the word, all right? So I want to encourage you guys, uh, sons and daughters of God, let's make this declaration. 
And on the second screen as normal, you'll see all the scriptures that it came from. So you can take a picture of it and go home and look at these scriptures. All right? Let's stand to our feet. And let's say this out loud. This is who we are. This is our new identity. Are you ready? My Father. All right? He's our Father. My Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life just as it is in heaven. You have made me new in Christ. I am your child. You are my Father. Your joy is mine. Your love is mine. Your peace is mine. Your strength is mine. Your provision is mine. Your life is mine. I am born of you. Hallelujah. Let's keep going. We're speaking by faith. We know it. He's done it. I now have a new identity. I am now in your family. Jesus is my elder brother. I am a co-heir with Christ. Every promise you've made is yes and amen in my life. Thank you for meeting all of my needs in a glorious way through Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.